you guys picture a loser for me? Put that image in your mind of what that loser looks like. That project that you lost money on. Wait a minute. You didn't picture a person, did you? No, we're talking about loser projects. How did that project affect you? How did you learn from that project? How did you learn from that loser? That's what I want to talk about today. I just got done looking at my profit and loss statement, and it wasn't nearly what I wanted it to be. And so I said, okay, well, how are we going to figure this out? And I said, okay, let me go ahead and start looking at the actual closed out projects. And you guys should have a closed out report in your system, whatever system you guys are using. And it should show you, you know, your material costs, your labor costs, your outsource costs, your permit costs, your overhead costs, and then your true costs. Then what you sold it for and your margin. That's, that's a standard report. You guys should have that. And as you go through that, and you should look at each one of them, you should see what your margins were, what you sold it for and what it actually was. In this particular case, I had a loser and it was a big loser. And I couldn't figure out what I went wrong with. And so I started to deep dive back into this project. This project was Cortez. It was the name of the project. It was a $125,000 project and it was out of state. So we did all the manufacturing here in-house. We shipped it to Arizona and then we installed it. And throughout this, it had, you know, for, for the sign company, it had 17 signs, two big monument signs, a whole bunch of directional signs, parking signs. It was a whole exterior package for this campus. And the campus had three buildings on it. And as I'm going through it, I'm looking at it. At the beginning, I thought it was a simple project. The designer was a simple and everything was going to go smoothly. And it didn't. It went south. So let me walk you through how this came to be so you guys can kind of see how it went south one step at a time. The call came from one of our high-end designers. He brings us a lot of work. He brings us almost a million dollars worth of work every single year. And so when we take his phone call with an exuberance, you know, when he calls, we're like, hello, how are you? How can I help you? You know, we, we love him because he brings a lot of work to us. And he comes in, he goes, all right, I got this project. It's out of state. Can you guys go ahead and give a bid for it? He sends us the PDF file. No big deal. Week goes by. We put all our numbers to him. We send it back. And he goes, okay. He goes, let me review it with the client. We'll get back to you. As we went, gone through that estimate, we, you know, we broke down each type of sign. So there's two monuments. That was one estimate. There was three directional signs. That was another estimate. There was four miniature directional signs. That was another estimate. There was 27 parking signs. That was another estimate. And then we had a couple address numerals. So we broke them all out. We put them into nice bite-sized pieces in the estimate. We figured out what it was going to take for each one of us. And then we sent it off. So fast forward two weeks later, and the designer comes back and says, look it, my client's budget's $125,000. You came in at one forty-seven. What can we do to shave this off? And so, of course, you know, value engineering, VE, you know, you guys all love that. I know you love it. Every single time you send a client a quote, they go, can you VE it, please? And you're just like, oh, he just cringe. Because you know. It's hard to VE something unless you really take away from the actual aesthetics of the sign. So in this particular case, we said, yeah, you know, we, we don't have to do push through. We can do underlay. We can do this. We can do that. We don't have to round this. We can square it off. And we VE'd it down to what we thought was going to be about 135 gram. And he says, look, I bring you a lot of work. This client's a good friend of mine. Can you, can you take a $10,000 haircut and get it figured out? We looked at the quantity of work. We looked at our client that we definitely didn't want to turned down and we said, yeah, we'll figure out how to VE it even more inside of our shop and our production timelines. So we got it. 
And then, of course, right away, the city had corrections. They wouldn't allow certain signs. Some of the VE we did had to be changed. We went back to the client and said, hey, this has to be done. They were cool. They gave us a change order, probably in around a six, dollars $7,000 change order. It wasn't that big, but it does help the bottom line. And then we started producing. And as we were producing, questions arose. Are we doing a pad with J-bolts? Are we doing a pipe? How are we installing this 10-foot-tall mon monument sign? And so we started to look at that, and those numbers and questions should have been outlined in the estimate. They were. But as the installer that we hired came on scene, they started changing their mind on how they want to do it for ease of them, which added a little bit to us. We thought we'd get a discount from the installer, which in turn we did not. So we made an assumption there, probably mistake number one, we made an assumption that we were going to get a discount off the install from the way they want to do it. And then as it went over to paint, we realized one of the colors was off. We had called out to be determined. It was hidden. The project manager didn't find it. The painter found it the day he was going to paint. So now the project had to be wheeled out of the paint booth, had to sit to the side for three days where I figured out that pink color. Then wheeled back in the booth. You know, all that extra start and stop time was not in the estimate. And then after that, we launched it uh, out there. Uh, or launch it out. We left it. I should say launch. I should say ship. You know, I, my apologies. We shipped it out to Arizona. Should have thrown it for, for sake of argument at this point in time. But we shipped it out there on a, a dedicated truck. And then they did the installation. As soon as they started digging, they realized the dirt was way harder than it should have been. So there was a change order from the installer. But the installer had been there three separate times. So it's kind of hard to sell it to the client. So as a company, we had to eat it, the extra cost. And then one thing just led to another. So by the time it was done, it ended up taking us eight weeks to produce all these signs and two weeks to install when it should have taken about six weeks for the whole project. And when we got done and costed it, our costs were $142,000 in cost. And we had sold it for $131,000. We basically gave them $15,000 and all the signs. We had a loser project. That's a tough one to swallow. It really is. Yes, we wanted to help our designer out. Yes, we wanted to give the client a good product. Yes, we wanted all that work and steal that back from the market share. But at the end of the day, was it worth the $15,000 we wrote the check for? Maybe, maybe not. Let's talk about another loser project. It's called Moonpath. Wasn't done by my company. It was done by another company, one of the companies I was mentoring for. And they, they had taken on this project in 2019. It was a very, very, very large project. I don't know the exact number, but I'm going to guess around three quarters of a million dollars, maybe even up to a million dollars. And it was a very high profile project. Now, for all you sign owners that want, you know, that are listening to this podcast, we love big projects. We love big in your face, high profile projects. We get to say, we did that. It's credibility. It puts a big giant stamp of we know what we're doing on our company. It, it, checks a lot of boxes, including our ego. Let's not lie. It checks our ego too. And so we love the high-profile projects. Well, this company's no different. They took on this project, Moonpath, and it was a monster project. It went. It had a sign that went over uh, two lanes of road. Um, it had multiple wall signs. It was, a, it was a beast. It really was. It was 40 feet tall, probably 128 feet wide. It was a monster project. And then what happens, they got stuck in permit hell for almost a year. During that permit hell, COVID happened. And we all know what happened to material prices. They went through the roof. Well, it was a very, very thick lawyer-ish 
contract that they had signed. So they couldn't go back because they already made a deal at that moment. So the material costs kept going up and up over the course of the year and a half while they got their permits. Then the client made small changes, but unfortunately it was changes that stopped production, but not enough to warrant a change order. And then throughout all of this, it took them almost seven, eight months to build the sign. I don't know the exact numbers, but when talking to them, it sounded like they lost anywhere from two to $300,000. They t- it was a bloodbath, an absolute bloodbath in their company. I know it was bad enough that the ownership ended up not taking a paycheck for some amount of time. I don't know the exact time, but they actually said, ah, we can't take a paycheck right now because we have no money in our cash flows. We have to rebuild our coffers, so to speak, in order to keep the company running. We're going to have to forfeit our paychecks. How many owners that I'm, are listening right now have to had, had to cut a paycheck? I'll tell you right now, in 2006, I did. I remember for three months, I got two paychecks in three months when we pay weekly. And that's all I got because that's the only thing the company could handle. The owner at the time, and I was the vice president at the time, we didn't take any paychecks because we couldn't afford to. It was either that or close the doors of the company. So I remember that being a horrible adventure. And that's a whole other podcast, a whole other story in itself on that little adventure there. But I have been there where you can't take a paycheck because you don't have the money in the checking account. And it's a sickening feeling. I will give you that one. It is, it is a gut-wrenching feeling as an owner that you're living on the line that tight. So loser projects. What do we do with those? Well, I'll tell you right now, you're getting an education. And I will say on a positive note, you're sticking your neck out there enough to to go after some of the big fish. Let's talk about each one of those. First off, whenever you get punched, it's not the worst thing in the world. And I'm not talking about physically getting punched. Also, this metaphor actually works there. I'm talking about getting punched company-wise. When you're the boss and you take a project and at the end of the day, you lost money on it, you got punched. You thought it was going to go good. You thought you're going to bring in more income for your company. Instead, you gave them all their product and you gave them some money. That's getting punched. What do you learn from that? Well, number one, you're not staying in your comfort zone. That's a positive. I'm going to give you that one right now. It is a positive. You're just getting out of your comfort zone. You're trying new things. You're going into different uh, market areas. That's a positive. That's the way an owner, a visionary should be. But as you go into those new areas, you have to be very cautious of what you don't know and pad the project a little bit based on your unknown areas. That's something that we didn't do in this one in uh, Cortez and definitely on Moon Path. We didn't control that one as well. Um, they didn't They didn't pad it for the craziness. They didn't pad it for the size and how hard it's going to move that product around the shop. You know, For Cortez, for me, I didn't pad the project for quantities and how many times we're going to have to move it around our shop to get it going. Those are little areas that you overlook very fast. And so we need to go into that education area. But getting punched, not the worst thing in the world. So I'm not going to call this a complete loser. I'm not going to call this a complete loss of our time, energy, and efforts. I'm going to say that we basically paid for an education. And that's what I want you guys to look at. Whenever you guys have a project that doesn't do as well, consider the money that you lost, what you thought you were going to get, is money towards an education. When you go to college, you pay that university to teach you, right? And they teach you the, the curriculum based on what they think you need for well-rounded. And the education, last time I checked, was very expensive. I mean, what does college cost these days? $20,000, $30,000 a year? Is it more than that? I really don't know. I'm kind of an old-timer here. I haven't gone to college in 20 years, but I know it's not cheap. Every single time you have a project that doesn't make money, 
you're paying for your education. Now, if you only lost $800, it's a pretty cheap education if you ask me. If you lost $5,000, okay, that's a decent education you're paying for. But you lost $20,000 or more, that's that's an expensive education right there. That's a tough one, I, and I feel sorry for you on that one. So I keep saying education. What does that mean? What does an education mean? Well, I'm going to tell you right now. You better be reviewing the estimate against what you actually did. When you review what you actually did, then you have a, a variance, a difference. So if you thought it took four hours and it took six, you got a two-hour variance. I am praying and hoping you guys have reporting tools that actually build this report for you so you guys don't have to. But in each side of every project, you should have a variance of each piece of the puzzle and how far off it was. For me personally, anything more than 5% variance, I want to know why. Why did my project have more of a variance than I thought it was going to be? Did my team kill it and they did a great job? Uh, did a product break or a bit break and so therefore we had to rebuild it? What happened there to create that higher of a variance? But 5% is my personal um, time to look deeper, trying to dig deeper. And when you look into those different variances, what does that information tell you? Well, I'm honestly going to tell you it, there's going to be one of three things that you can view it and how it's going to tell you. Variance number one, one-on-one. -on -one. What was your estimate? What was your actual? What's the variance? That's going to tell you how well your estimator did for the actual, barring no craziness. What I mean by craziness is the bit broke, uh, the painter mixed the wrong paint, somebody tapped the sign and it fell off the table, stuff of that nature. You know, if you're in the cabinet industry and somebody walks by and, and actually grabs the door and it bends it too far the wrong way, you got to recut all that wood. You know, that type of variance, that's an, that's an extremity or an, an outside factor. I'm not talking about that. Those are one-offs. That just happens. That's part of owning a business. But if you have a variance where they didn't know what they were doing, so they took time to reinvent the wheel. They didn't understand the project at hand, so they sat there and stared at it. You know, those type of things, I want to know why. How could I have better drawings, a better description? How could I explain to them what it's going to take? The other thing I want you to do is show or do one to many. Take your one project and compare it to many different projects that are similar in nature. Can you see the correlation there? On average, if you look at many, on average, it was five hours. And then you estimated four and it took six. Based on one to many, you actually should have estimated an extra hour because that was your average five, but you did four. So the estimator took a piece out. Then your shop was sleeping on the job a little bit and took them an extra hour than it should have. But you do one to many, it's going to give you a better idea of what your estimate should have been versus what you thought it was at that moment in time when you did the estimate. So one to many. And then what I want you guys to do, of course, the last one is many to many. Take all your projects and then divide them out by each department and then see how big of a variance each department keeps doing over and over and over again. That's going to be able to show you if that department is bleeding or that department is doing really, really well when you do your estimating. So many to many is going to help you. Throughout all these different ways you're reviewing your projects, you're getting a really good education on what your company does and does well and what it doesn't do so well. So as much as I love the winning projects, I'm going to look at a winner and just look right at it and say, yep, this works. This is great. This is fun. I really love the loser projects better because I get an education. You know, it's kind of those times when, you know, you ever get embarrassed, you know, and the hairs on the back of your neck stand up and you're super embarrassed that that went down. You never forget those times, do you? Never, ever, ever forget them. They're, they're burning your memory banks. You have an emotion with an event and they come together. It's burning your memory. You'll never forget. 
When's the last time you had a great time? Probably already forgotten. You might have to go back on your phone and go find some photos and you go, oh yeah, I was at that party the other day. I had a lot of fun. Winning doesn't invoke an emotion that you remember. But when you're losing, it very much invokes an emotion. And so for us, we're going to focus on those losers a lot more than those winners. I don't want you to get depressed. I don't want you to get into that role of focusing on losers, but I want you to focus on the education at hand. Whenever I have a losing project, I'm going to look at that and say, how much did I pay for this education? And what is the education I'm getting from it? You know, I talked to one of the project managers here in the San Diego, California uh, sign company. And I said, when you have a losing project doesn't do so well, what do you do? And she goes, oh, we deep dive into it immediately. And I said, who's we? She goes, me and the other project managers. We get together and we look at it and say, what happened here? I forgot to survey it. And so when we went out there. We had to do two trips because the survey, the survey wasn't done. I said, okay, well, what happened there? And she goes, well, it needed a raceway. And I had no idea. I thought there was access behind the wall. I made an assumption based on the other signs on the wall. And it was a mistake on my part. I should have surveyed it. Okay. We found a solution, a possible solution to fix this in the future. What other problems do we have? Well, I thought that if I put the two different colors together in the paint booth, they could all paint one color at once. And it turns out it's two different color blues. And so I snuck it in the paint booth. It got painted the wrong color. And then we had to sand it and repaint it again. So I tried to do a shortcut and ended up going and backfiring on me. Okay. Another solution, understood, read the drawings a little bit better. We went a little careless, said blue, blue, but there were different PMS colors. And I said, what else? She goes, a lot of it handles with the shipping and the installer. When do we ship it? When does the installer receive it? In a couple aspects, she goes, I would ship it to the installer and it got there at 3 p.m. and they close their doors after 2 o'clock because they work, you know, from 5 a.m. to 2 p.m. And then the shipping carrier had to take it back, had to deliver it a second day, and I got an extra charge for that. I didn't realize that the installer had certain hours. So all these different things add up. $500 here, $300 here, $400 here. And next thing you know, your whole profit margin is completely shot. Or even worse, you're writing them a check on well of it. So that education comes with sometimes a higher price, but at least your PMs are sitting there and taking the time. You as an owner, are you being an ostrich and putting your head in the sand and not looking at these jobs? Or are you actually stopping your company, the main integral people, not the entire company, but integral people and sitting down and having a talk, an open discussion? I will tell you me personally, all my sales team, all my project managers, myself in the accounting department will sit down once a month and go over all the projects. We, we try and high-five the winners, focus on the positives, but we also examine the losers and say, what did we do right? What did we do wrong? You know, that's just a part of it. That's a part of growing. That's a part of um, scaling your company. If you guys aren't costing, I can't even help you. I'm praying that you're costing right now. But once you are costing, looking at those, share it with your team. They need to know they're the ones protecting your bottom line. They're the best ones going to be the source to get that education and actually make it go somewhere, actually use it for better stuff. Give me your comments on this one. What type do you guys do when you guys have a losing project? Uh, what ways do you fix it? Do you make company policy or just made it uh, top of the mind awareness? I would love to hear your ideas on that one. You can find us on all our social medias, the AC Method, and we'll talk to you again soon.